When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. Pete Sampson will join us in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Notre Dame versus Pittsburgh this weekend in Heinz Field. Great setting for a college football game. Pittsburgh's won two of the last three against Notre Dame uh, in Heinz Field, including two years ago when uh, the controversial Stefan Tuitt ejection and Notre Dame lost by a touchdown. But different set of circumstances, better Notre Dame team, probably a better Pittsburgh team coached by Pat Narduzzi. We'll get into more of that, but first, Tim, let's address the college football playoff rankings. The first one came out Tuesday night, and I don't think there's anybody that wasn't surprised to find Notre Dame in the number five hole. Right. That's it. I remember thinking they were too low last year. I might have bought in too much to the Florida State situation. I don't think they're too high, but I was pleasantly surprised. That, that surprised me a lot. Obviously, it's tied to Clemson, and Clemson is tied to Notre Dame. And, and in fact, we, we heard them talking about Clemson has the best win, um, and they mentioned Notre Dame as the best win of the college football season, and I thought that was a high compliment for the Irish. Obviously, that gives them by far the best loss. I would have guessed, when you have guessed, they would come in about eight, about number eight. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where I was thinking. I thought Michigan State would be ahead of them, and I'm not saying right or wrong either way, I, I but I thought Michigan State would be ahead of them. I, I guess I kind of figured Florida would be too. That's probably them being 10 is yeah. as big of a surprise as Notre Dame being five. Uh, Iowa being undefeated, I, I think I speculated on Monday, hey, let's see what happens because Notre Dame is ahead of Iowa and AP, but that stayed true to form. I don't know. I just think, you know, so often people are concerned about Notre Dame getting the short end of the stick, and that's not what happened. No, it, it's, it just speaks to the level of that game. I, I think there's human nature involved. Everyone watched Notre Dame fight Clemson to the wire. Um, I know Pete brought this up on Twitter why does it matter that it was in a monsoon? But it kind of does when you're on the road, I guess, in that situation. People just remember two-point loss. Could have won had they maybe kicked extra points had they go, or had they converted a, a, the first two-point conversion. They'd been going for the win right there. I think they just see Notre Dame as a, a championship contender, and they did a great job of not putting the Big 12 undefeated teams ahead of anybody. Yeah, Baylor's that, too high. Yeah, Baylor's that, too high. I really wanted to talk about that because it, it's interesting what the Big 12 has done in terms of scheduling. Not only have they set themselves up for a cataclysmic November that will probably blow up uh, all but one, but maybe all of them in the process, but it also positioned them to be with one loss, you know, like four teams with one loss or no losses after two months of the season. Yeah. And I wonder, how do you legislate that? I, I don't know that you... You can't. I mean, the NCAA right. can't legislate something like that. And I think, I mean, if you look at it, we don't know if it's plus minus because, sure, everybody liked on the AP poll, but, you know, the AP and the coaches poll, but, you know, those matter as much as the poll the three of us could do right now. These days are totally irrelevant. My wife did a poll, but had the same thing as all the people, the AP writers, sitting around and voting nowadays. Are so. you saying that your wife's opinion on football is... Invalid. I think she had Notre Dame at seven. She did. And uh, she thought Baylor needed their starting quarterback, well, actually. I, 
I think it's interesting that Notre Dame at number five, there's the general assumption, and it's probably ultimately correct that if Notre Dame wins and one of those teams ahead of them loses, they will move up into a, one of the playoff slots. But, you know, you also have to factor in that as the Big 12 is yeah. going through a torturous November, Notre Dame is also going to play Wake Forest and Boston College. They're going to move back Notre Dame a couple times, uh, but the Stanford game is obviously their trump card. And Clemson, as I mentioned it in a story about this, is the trophy wife. Clemson mm-hmm. needs to keep yep. winning because I don't know what would happen if Clemson loses a close game. One loss, I think they probably do get in over Notre Dame. That's a guess. You never know because, as I said, human nature. You lose one in late November and Notre Dame beats Stanford. I think voters can say, hey, they almost beat Clemson at Clemson. But I think it helps Notre Dame if Clemson rolls through this thing and Notre Dame goes 11-1. and As we said, the Big 12 is going to eat itself. The Pac-12 will be out of it if Notre Dame beats Stanford. The Big Ten's probably getting one in because I... Ohio State's got a tougher road than I think people think with Michigan State at Michigan, which just yeah, is, oh, that's hard all the time for yeah. them, and now they have a real team. And they should beat Iowa in that game, I would assume, but that's not easy. And I assume the Big, T- the Big Ten gets a team in. The SEC could eat itself as well. Sure. Because we, LSU although we say, very, that, yeah. we say that every year, I mean, even before we got into a playoff format, and that's... It generally doesn't work that way. The cream right. rises to the top. Two-loss SEC team will not get in this year, though. I disagree with what I heard on, on uh, I forget what game I was watching, waiting to go to the Notre Dame-Temple game. They were they were arguing back and forth that a two-loss SEC team would definitely get in. I don't think yeah, there's a chance they, they do. A one-loss will, obviously. I don't know how you can say that. And, and the other opinion, and I keep hearing references to last year when, you know, when Baylor and TCU, they, you know, they... They win big, but they fall in, in the in the playoff ranking. Well, it's because we're in a new age and, and things are evaluated different differently. And that's isn't that what we wanted? We yes. wanted to be yeah. able to judge the teams on a weekly basis in November, and if they played a cupcake, they should be penalized for that. And so the 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 old way of looking at things in terms of rising and falling in the in the rankings, we we can't look at it that way. No, anymore. I agree. And it's funny the the kind of the um, judgments that brought to task a little bit on the message board in that playoff story I wrote was I mentioned Oklahoma has one loss, could definitely get in over Notre Dame with one loss, but that's because Oklahoma will then beat, as you mentioned, the whole month, undefeated Baylor, undefeated TCU, undefeated Oklahoma State in Bedlam. It's got to look pretty good in November as opposed to Notre Dame beating Stanford. I don't know where that would go. They have a long way to go. Notre Dame murdered Texas. Texas put one on Oklahoma. That would be an interesting debate because the Notre Dame-Texas game doesn't mean much on no, on Thanksgiving weekend. Right. That's an interesting call. I well, mean, yeah. yeah, I mean the, te- the the Texas team at the end of the season goes a long way sure. towards dictating the the, the meaning or lack of meaning to it. I think it'll be interesting. You as long as Notre Dame wins and stays in the playoff scenario, you're going to track that on a weekly yes, basis, yeah, like yeah. you did this week. And I thought that that was good stuff, interesting stuff. Well, um, you know, in a, in accordance with that, another story that I know that you've been you were, were working on yesterday in asking the players and Brian Kelly as well on Tuesday as to what. You know, they thought the best game of the year was. And in most instances, you know, when you're a player or coach, it's like, wow, I hadn't even thought about right. that. You've got so much on your mind and so much to do that you don't think in those terms. And I thought some of the resp- – not all the responses were great, but it's some of the responses I thought were interesting. But we think about it all day, so we, yeah, think, we yeah, figure they right, will too. Right, um, it's not, I, mean, I thought Kelly did give – Kelly and Kaiser, not surprisingly, gave the best uh, yeah. responses. But it's a good point that Kelly said, I think our best is snippets. And – he and Kaiser kind of agreed on offensively USC, those 90-yard drives. Those were obviously their yeah. best moments. Right. A whole game, it's clearly Texas. But as I said, they didn't have it. Yeah, the point is snippets. Yes. 
aren't good enough, in, I, or you don't think they're going to be good enough in order to land in a playoff. I almost want to say Clemson, if you can take snippets, because I'll take three quarters of snippets yeah, from that no game. And that's, but it was interesting to have re- reactions of all over the board. But I wrote the story because, not because I wanted to find opinions on that, but we keep talking about survive and advance, survive and advance. They have to get better. They have to get better to beat Stanford at Stanford because, as you pointed out in the preseason, they are now 44-5 and at Stanford. People think being at Stanford doesn't matter. 44-5 and matters in the last eight years, I believe that is. Yeah. And I'd love to go to the playoffs too, but you can also get run out of that playoff game if you don't get better. Well, I think you have to be better to win this weekend. And I yeah. know that the opinions on, on Pittsburgh based upon one game against North Carolina, which a lot of people are judging, judging it upon that, Pittsburgh sucks, and Notre Dame's going to roll them, and and maybe they will. But I, but in response to a comment on our message board yesterday about Notre Dame rolling Pittsburgh, and I don't think any of us feel that way. I went to look. Okay, how often does what was the uh, torched roll? I don't know one of, one of those words meaning that Notre Dame would win by a lot. And I said, okay, twenty. Let's say twenty one points. Last time Notre Dame won on the road by twenty one was was two thousand thirteen. Against Air Force, right, right. a two and ten Air Force team, and the last time Notre Dame won by twenty one points or more on the road against a team that ended up winning eight games was nineteen ninety five. It's just also hard. against Air Force. It's super. It's just very hard to do. It's difficult it's, to yeah, do. Yeah. It's difficult for a good team to do. Uh, for you know, Notre Dame's a very good team. Are they a great? Are they a great team? I I don't know, but look, Pittsburgh is solid. Uh, Pat Narduzzi has got a program that, to me, is Michigan State light or or the beginnings of where Michigan State was when he joined Mark D'Antonio uh, at Michigan State. And I and and believe me, they possess the football. They yeah. control the football and make it difficult for you to get a ton of touches. And they're solid defensively, especially in the red zone. They've only allowed 17 appearances in the red zone. And as Pete pointed out, he mentioned their their last. It's funny. It's a weird stat. They're 127th in red zone defense. But that's because they allow points. They don't allow touchdowns. Right. They you said eight touchdowns out of seventeen. Yeah, they've, they're, they, they've given up scores in 17 out of 17 but trips in the red zone. It just it's means field you don't goals. turn them over. Now that means they're not causing turnovers right. in the red zone. But and that's one of the what do we say? One of the things that Charlie Weiss said that we really cling to that we agree with. It's touchdowns in the red yeah. zone. It's not scores because field goals are, are chip shots. It's a win for the defense when the field goal. Right, and it, if you're in the red zone, if you've gotten into the red zone, it's a very makeable field goal. But as you pointed out, they stop teams from getting to the red zone, and that's kind of the point of defense. Yeah, Joe Schmidt kind of made yeah. a joke about that. Uh, three and outs are kind of the point, and uh, if they if you don't get to the red zone, that's a good way to yeah. uh, play good defense. Well, we're kind of veering into Pittsburgh preview, yeah. and we're going to address all of that in segment two when we come back. Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Segment two, our Pittsburgh game preview. And uh, I didn't have two weeks to digest this one, Tim, but uh, <laughs> at this point, uh, deep into the Panthers, and really it's a program we're pretty familiar with uh, during the Kelly era, but uh, not surprisingly, what they do best is what they normally do best. Yeah, and Pat Narduzzi, you know, as I mentioned in segment one, I mean, it's, a, it's very similar to what Mark D'Antonio tried to immediately establish at Michigan State, I think it's interesting. His, uh, Narduzzi's choice of offensive coordinator is Jim Chaney with a background at Arkansas. We know what they like to do there. And and that's, you know, one of the things that Pitt does very well is they possess the football. Uh, it's really incredible. They're ranked 14th in the country in time of possession. 
They had a 10-minute edge on North Carolina, 13-minute edge on Syracuse, 8 minutes on Virginia Tech, and 10 on Georgia Tech. So, you know, I mean, they control the football. They've won a bunch of close games, which I've always felt like, especially when a new regime is taking over. You're not always in a position right. to beat people handily, but if you win the close games, that's a sign that guys are buying in. I didn't – the Paul Christ era, to me, Pittsburgh was just – they won haphazardly. There was no rhyme or reason as to when they did or didn't yes. win. It they just got one happened. against the Irish. But. They did get one against Notre Dame, which, is, which seems, you know, really unfortunate. But, you know, red zone defense, we mentioned that they've been great, and we know how much Notre Dame has struggled in a red zone. And so, once again, that'll be a huge test for Notre Dame. And for those of you listening, as an aside, someday if you run into Tim Priester, ask him about his Paul Christ theory. Uh, <laughs> coaching on the sideline is probably uh, it's probably better for a conversation. Well, it, and it is. And, and his brother, Rick, and I formed the left side of the Notre Dame infield in the early 80s, and so I'm a little sensitive to... Saying too much about his sorry about that though. about about his brother, but uh, but I you know I just didn't think that that was a it wasn't a very disciplined cohesive Pittsburgh pro it was a 500 program right. and I think Pat Narduzzi is going to take them to a different level now one of the one of the things I want to lead into something here with you Tim you know special teams play we we've always talked about special teams play in Notre Dame it's been pretty darn good yeah. this year yeah. all things considered but they are going up against a very good Pittsburgh special teams. They rank in the top 22 in three of the four return-slash-coverage units. Only two teams in the country have blocked more kicks-slash-punts, and that's Temple in Illinois. Uh, and they've also successfully faked a couple punts against Syracuse, which led to the game-winning score and also against North Carolina last week. And remember they blocked a punt in that kind of sloppy 2011 game against Notre Dame. Obviously different than Todd Graham, but we're just going by... Pitt plays Notre Dame well. They get these things to go in their favor. You mentioned special teams. They have a veteran kicker. It's pretty awesome that his last name is Blewett for the uh, headlines. That is just the wrong name for a kicker. For any athlete, really, but especially a kicker. (laughs) But the thing that's interesting to me is that their time of possession for Pittsburgh against Notre Dame's ability to get off the field. Notre Dame is three and out is kind of their calling card, and, and that's obviously going to be the key because Notre Dame's weakness, you mentioned to Jalen Smith. I talked to Jalen Smith about it yesterday. I said, what do you need to get better at? He actually gave me an answer saying it didn't say consistency. Uh, he said, we need to limit the big chunk plays, the explosive plays. Pitt doesn't have them. You brought that up. They're 114th in the country in 10-yard-plus games. So do they stay on the field, or does Notre Dame's three-and-out continue where they have a lot of three-and-outs against this offense? Well, you know, as everybody knows, they're without James Conner, who's an absolutely outstanding college back, and you figure that they would take a step back in the running game, which they have sure. by, by James Conner standards, but they've got a 6'2", 230-pound freshman in Kadri Allison, who's done a really solid job. He's averaging 5.6 yards per carry, 716 yards for the season, and he is the kind of guy, you know, they don't allow themselves to get behind the chains, so to speak, very often. Nate Perriman, you know, I, I know a lot of people look at Nate Perriman and say he's not very impressive, and I understand where people are coming from, uh, but he is efficient yeah. and he is resourceful. And I think if you get him in second and five, you know, second and six, third and three, he's more effective as a passer if they choose not to hand it to the big freshman. And not to harp on the Pitt series, but (laughs) this is a good indication we'll find out how far Notre Dame has come defensively because you mentioned Peterman not being impressive. Pat Bostic beat Notre Dame. Tino Sinceri brought Notre Dame to three overtimes. And Tom Savage beat Notre Dame. So I'd like to see Notre Dame treat this Pittsburgh offense that is pedestrian. They, They have punch. 
but it is a de- Notre Dame's defense should be better than Pittsburgh's offense. Yeah, and Pat Bostic is still a part of their radio <laughs> team, is, which is just, constantly yeah. a reminder. Remember, well, I, yeah. you, we weren't together then, uh, working wise, but. Uh, uh, I when Pat Bostic beat Notre Dame, I said he was the worst quarterback ever to beat Notre Dame, which is a bit of an exaggeration, but that was some of the frustration. And you're absolutely right. And that's a lot of times that's college football, especially when you're playing on the yeah. road. You have a tendency to lose to, you know, quarterbacks that you don't think are very good. I think Nate Peterman is a resourceful quarterback, and if you you know if they stay ahead of the chains, he will be resourceful against Notre Dame. In a situation with. Anytime you have the chip on the shoulder Pittsburgh, chip on the shoulder Boston College, I hate this saying when coaches say it, but this is their biggest game. This is Pittsburgh's biggest game. This is their bounce back game. The loss last week won't matter. You to would them think at all. that they would play more inspired than they <laughs> yes, did against they North Carolina, which should have been their biggest game with a chance to take the lead in their division. And going back on that, though, the last time Notre Dame went to Pittsburgh, that was a. I know they only had two losses at the time, but that was a dead Notre Dame. They had yeah. no chance. That was the biggest crock that they were going to possibly contend for a BCS Bowl at that point in the season when they had Stanford coming up. And this team should be dialed in. And I understand the noon start. They're trying to adjust to it. They're leaving tonight. Pitt start has to play at noon, too. I, I understand they play at noon more than Notre Dame, but you can't they have do. that as an excuse anymore. Notre Dame should be dialed into this game. Pitt will be dialed into this game. And, and it will be a hard-hitting, if not high-scoring, entertaining football game because of that. We haven't even mentioned Tyler Boyd, and, and I think it's interesting how Jim Chaney has chosen to use him, much different than the way he was used last year when he had, um, I think he had eight touchdowns and averaged 16.2 yards per catch. He's averaging, he has 63 receptions, but he's averaging under 10 yards per catch. So they're not, you know, and, and this, I think it's a reflection of Peterman. It, yeah. it, get the ball in the hands of Tyler Boyd, not with five-step drops where he's not going to, be at his best, just get the ball in his hands and let him do something, although the average would indicate that he's not breaking a ton of big plays. Yeah, that's that. it was so strange when I saw his, I knew the 63 catches, but to see his average that low as an explosive player, I mean, he's just the, he is the pulse of the offense. It's it's death by uh, 10,000 paper cuts with him because they, they do not hit you deep, and maybe that's good for Notre well, Dame. They, 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 there are no other, the, the second leading receiver for Pittsburgh has 16 receptions. And, and I think J.P. Holtz, the tight end that's been at Pittsburgh since 1999, yeah. I believe. Uh, he beat Davies. Yeah, is one of them. And Lafayette Pitts, their corner, is the other. Who, by the way, is struggling a little bit and was taken out of the North Carolina game at one point, not due to injury. So, um, you know, defensively, I'm not really sure we know exactly how good Pittsburgh is. I think part of the reason that they that their numbers are pretty good is because the offense has possessed the football. Yeah. They're not a huge sack team. They've only had one in the last three games combined. And they're not sniffing Kaiser. I, I mean, d- say what you want about Notre Dame's offensive line. It's coming up on the message boards a lot. If this line is so good, why can't we get two yards? If this line's so good, everything. Nobody gets to Deshaun Kaiser unless Deshaun Kaiser holds the ball too long. Right, and this unit is not. Yeah. If one is going to, this is not one right. that should. Um, I do want to throw in that. Pittsburgh's a tough place to play. The student body gets cranked yeah. when Notre Dame comes to town. And, you know, a noon kickoff, I, I, I think that the party s- starts the night before and just kind of rolls right into that that noon kickoff. And they're, they're, they imp- I feel like they impact the game. They do. They have an odd distaste for Notre Dame, <laughs> actually. There's, there's a couple schools that have that where you can't figure it out. You know where it comes from, Michigan and things like that. But they really do have a strange one and they get into it. It's, it's what makes this game look... 
Nine of the last ten, the underdog is covered. I know Notre Dame fans don't care if you cover or not, and I don't either. We shouldn't care, but that indicates close game. The one they didn't cover was uh, Tyron Willingham's first year when it was a close game, and Pitt actually outgained Notre Dame by about 200 right. yards. This game is lower scoring, and it's tight. And the only time it's gotten away is Charlie Weiss's first game, that kind of fun little trip they had to open the season to Pittsburgh where they are going up and down the field. But that's the only time one team gets away from the other one. Really, I mean, since the Willingham era began. That's amazing. Yeah, think about it. it is. And, and again, this, I mean, for me, this is, again, pointing to a low-scoring game. Pittsburgh scored 45 against Youngstown State in the opener, but since then they're averaging 23.2 points per game. I mean, they just do not score a lot. We mentioned the lack of big playability. Wasn't it funny, Jalen Smith? You can't catch Jalen Smith. He's too cautious now. Uh, and, and he mentioned about not giving a big place. And I you said, mentioned oh, they're well, not giving a... Oh, yeah. Well, no, he's, he said we can't allow that to happen. I, and I said, well... <laughs> You know that Pittsburgh doesn't get a lot of big plays, and he just kind of smiled and kind of uh, did. So I think they have a very good offense. Yeah, there, there we go. There we go. So uh, it would be very disappointing if they did have some explosive plays. Tyler Boyd is certainly capable of doing that. And, and we keep, you know, I think sometimes we have a tendency that, hey, this opponent does this, 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 this really well. Some of the things that they don't do, uh, like I mentioned, scoring, uh, the ability to break some big plays. Um you know, they give up some sacks, too, right. uh, although Notre Dame's not a big sack team. And Chris Blewett has been clutch. He did have a 56-yarder against Georgia Tech late in the game, you know, to beat Georgia Tech. He's also missed five field goals and is a little bit inconsistent. A couple of them were bombs, I noticed today. They're in the, in the 50 range. That means they have a lot of confidence in them. And it's not the easiest place to kick, it's, uh, as the entire National Football League knows. It's, it's a tough place to kick. Um, a little easier maybe at noon, and, but and it's not going to be a cold day. Yeah, I, th- I think we do sometimes harp on what opponents do, which is kind of our job, but what opponents do well to let Notre Dame fans know. This is another team two weeks in a row where if Notre Dame gets to that 28-30 range, Notre Dame's going to win the game. You don't want to only be in the 27-28 because you're probably playing a fourth quarter game then, but I do think that's what it's going to be. I don't think, I'm not sure Pitt can get over 21, and that's an odd thing to say because everyone gets to 20 on Notre Dame that's not named Texas. It's kind of an odd stat I didn't think about until someone brought it up to me on Twitter. Right, yeah, right. it's because they played good defensive they've games. Been, yeah, but they've been in a series of, of allowing 20-some. I would think that if you can get ahead of Pitt, they're in a lot of trouble. I would agree with that. I also don't know that Notre Dame is – I mean, I, I don't have a lot of confidence Notre Dame is going to score in the 30s in this no, game. And, no. and with that thought, Tim, why don't we go ahead and uh, you're going to make your prediction and I'll – give some indication as to what I'm going to pick. Yeah, I think if everything goes right, and I don't mean a perfect game, I just mean if you get down the red zone and you score touchdowns two out of three times in the first half, that type of game, and Notre Dame protects the ball, I'd, I'd keep it at obviously one turnover or less they're going to win. I think they're 35-2 and two with one turnover or less. But even if you get to two turnovers or less, I think they'll win the game. If everything went right, I could see them getting in one of those 28-13 wins, but I'm going to I'm going to think it's like it usually is, and it's 24-17 for me, Notre Dame. I don't know if it means back-and-forth struggle like Temple, but I don't see them getting away completely. Yeah, the interesting thing is over-under is 52-and-a-half, I think, which I know, seems the last a little time, high. The last time I thought something was high was USC, and it was over by the I time know. I blinked. I know. So. Well, yeah, and so as far as my opinion on, on the point spread, I'm 1-7 for the year, so I'm awful. So don't uh, disagree. Don't disregard. Could, go the other way. You could do that. Yeah, well, yeah. you could you could you could do that. I've got a lot of good information. None of it applies to the actual uh, differential in scores. It's informational purposes only, anyway. You're absolutely, not absolutely. I, I I guess the one thing that I feel confident about is low scoring, and maybe maybe we're both wrong on that, Tim. But I just think that 
I think because of the way Pittsburgh controls the football uh, and because this is something that you've harped on for years, because of the great difficulty that Notre Dame has in scoring touchdowns on the road against good opponents. Yeah, and I mean, it's universal. You know, I mean, yeah, any way you look at it, is Pittsburgh a great team? No, but they're a good team. They're a well-coached team. They're a team that believes in their wacky head coach in the fourth quarter party. Have you seen this? The little celebration they do with the water bottles before the start of the fourth quarter? I mean, no no offense, and I think Pat Narduzzi's probably going to do a pretty good job, but, I mean, that seems so amateurish to me. Speaking of Pat Narduzzi, for a little tease leaving, a lot was made a couple years ago about the D'Antonio-Kelly regimes not liking each other. They're both professionals. They water under the bridge if there was anything. We were told that it all comes from Pat Narduzzi and his distaste for the Kelly regime from Cincinnati when Kelly rightfully so got a lot of credit for making Cincinnati 12-0. and Apparently there wasn't enough credit given to the previous regime, which was D'Antonio and Narduzzi, that put them on solid ground before Kelly got well, there. Well, that, that has to... I mean, D'Antonio's not the type to worry about things exactly. like that, but, it, but he was part of it too. Right. He, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's just... You know, he's a veteran head coach that knows how to handle those things, so we'll see if uh, the hatred of... Two burning hot suns comes out here in Ice Field for uh, Coach Narduzzi. Well, whatever. You know what? It's a, it, it is a great series. Nordheim's only won seven of the last 12 games that have been played. Uh, I think there are only four teams that have beaten Notre Dame more than Pittsburgh has. Now, Pittsburgh's one of the teams that they've played a lot, but they've beaten them 21 times total. And it's it's just a good series. It goes back, I know, to my childhood when Pittsburgh wasn't very good. And Notre Dame used to beat up on them. And then, uh, then as we got into the... Um, you know, even into the Holtz era, Notre Dame had difficulty yeah. with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a is a you know a, a tough physical program, and uh, they're going to come out and match Notre Dame's physicality, or at least try to. And uh, and we'll see what happens this weekend. But I, I think low scoring. Uh, you're looking at the same thing, and and uh, low low end close scoring. So we will uh, once again. Uh, Join you guys uh, in Heinz Field on Saturday as uh, as we talk further about Notre Dame versus Pittsburgh in Heinz Field. Mm-hmm.